Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain a leadership advantage as Ralph holds wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm interviewing a friend of mine that I've known since way back in the early days of of when we were still in Manhattan Beach before the church had moved to Hermosa, and uh, he planted what today people would call a microchurch. I think he was uh, laying carpet or doing something in those days. And uh, I remember we started a church in Venice, California, in a house, and we were in a denomination, and they didn't want him because they were afraid of some other church that was in Venice of their denomination getting upset about it. And, and we just sort of told them we're doing it anyway. Uh, his name is Bob Mallard, and uh, we haven't connected for a long time other than Facebook. So, Bob, welcome to the deal, and let's talk a little bit. You know, I, I kind of would like to start with, with w- way back then, um, you know, when you first came to church, so, some of the stuff that was going on in your life then, how you ended up being a pastor, and then and then we'll just kind of take it there. I, I know you've kind of stepped out of full-time pastoral ministry now, and, and that's cool. I want to hear that part. I think other people need to hear uh, how these things end for people, and, and, and yours, yours ended well. I mean, you're on your feet, and you're doing great, and and so I mean, let's just go back to the beginning. I mean, when I first met you, it was kind of hippie days, and they were good days. But uh, talk, just you know, talk your story. They always hear my story. Tell your story. I had gone to a church uh, in Redondo Beach that was we considered, and it was very legalistic. You didn't pray an hour a day, witness at least an hour a day, and come to church every time the doors swing open, you're going to hell. Well, I, I never really bought that, and I, I was labeled a rebel, which I thought they were right, because I pretty much have always been a rebel. I had already yeah, refused. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about you. I had already refused duty uh, uh, over going to Vietnam and went to jail for a year, so I wasn't easily intimidated by what, you know, I stood up for what I wanted to do. I, I always that song I won't back down always re- reminded me of myself. Yeah. Um, but I met this handsome young pastor and his and his beautiful wife uh, after I left that other church uh, in over a little church in Manhattan Beach. You know, he was just a real gracious uh, guy. His name was Ralph Moore. I was married at the time to a really great girl we shouldn't have been married we were basically like teenage roommates but in order the church we were in you couldn't hold hands or anything unless you were married so we got married we we didn't have any plans on having kids or anything like that but she kind of decided she thought being a christian was a stick in the mud life yeah fortunately that didn't last she came back to the lord but that was after we had gone our separate ways. And then I, I was single for quite a long time after that. But while we were in, in church with you, 
and you sought to get me re-motivated because I was, I'd been burnt by that legalistic church. And so, you know, I was going in and out of the church and I was, you know, doing a little drugs and doing a little whatever, you know, mm-hmm. enjoying pleasures. And one day, a guy that I was living with who went to your church, a guy named Tom Prindle, came home and said, hey, Ralph Moore was talking today and he talked about this jerk he knows <laughs> and how he was converted, you know, because he was always doing things his way and then he became governed by God. And he says, he go, you go on to explain and Tom goes, that's, he's talking about Bob. And so he came home and told me that. Well, I got a hold of you right a little bit after that. You just told me, you said, you know, you just, you always grab the ball and then you run away with it. And, uh, you know, I wish you'd just get into fellowship, you know, maybe go surfing with me and hang out a bit and, you know, just get to know some people and just relax and come to church. I said, well, you know, look, I'm really kind of messed up right now. What should I do? You said, you said fellowship. And, uh, I go, well, I can, I can do that. So we, we started fellowshipping with you and I started hanging out and bugging you and Ruby while you were working on cars and we'd go surfing and remember Jay? Yeah. We'd take Jay with us. A couple, some other folks, mostly it was just you and I and maybe Ruby and the kids. Anyhow, it was a good time and fellowshipping with you was a good time and you had an easiness about you. I always felt like, having come from my background, I always felt like you can't meet somebody and not preach the gospel and you just sound, you just seemed like you were so relaxed and stuff. It was, I thought it was highly unfair that I couldn't be relaxed and you were, and you were successful at leading people to the Lord nonetheless. So anyhow, over time I'd learned from you and we had disagreements on different things, but there, we kept them private. We'd talk about things and I disagree, disagree about tithing and you know, a bunch of stuff. You know, you know, let me, let me interrupt. One of the problems with our relationship was that to me, you were one of the most talented, blessed by God people that I knew. And you had this independent streak in you that I value. You know, I, I think a lot of in what goes on in church actually is cultish. I know that church you came from, they really were a cult. Yeah. But a lot of what goes on in church today, I think, is cultish in that we want everybody to line up and march right. And so my problem, my my personal tension in our relationship, and it was always this way, was that here's this guy who's who's got everything that God could invest in a person, and he's independent. He, he's, he's not going to be pushed around, and yet he's still screwy enough that he won't get it going in the right direction. And I, I even remember when, when you finally started the church, it was that that stood out. That was, I mean, you're able to go into Venice, California, which was a really hard place and do some things that nobody else could do and withstand the pressure we were getting. And then we still had an argument over that, if I remember right. And so it's like, there was always this healthy kind of attention going on. And then, you know, the good times, hanging out at the Criterion restaurant, surfing together, all, all those things. We're friends. That was always there. It was always a frustration to me that 
uh, here's a guy who's got more than most people, and I don't know how to get him to use it right. Anyway, for what it's worth, that was what I was thinking. Well, the fact is, probably if it weren't for you, I probably wouldn't have done anything. But I said, Ralph, what do you want me to do? I mean, uh, you said, well, you know, get involved with the mini church. And so I did. I uh, got involved with the mini church right after that. And then you told me to get together with, they, you'd started the Hope Chapel Ministry Institute. Right. So I spent a year in that, or a year and a half or whatever that was. And uh, that was pretty intense. I mean, it was easier. That was harder than my college. Yeah. It was. But it was good because it was a discussion group and, and there were like five or six of us and we had all completely different types of backgrounds. Zach Nazarian was in there. Yeah, Don Stewart was in there and Don Stewart and I were worlds apart in <laughs> every perspective. He was, he was, they were all, both these guys are bright. And so we were, uh, we had these classes for your discussion, very good discussions, studies of theology and word studies and all that, that sort of thing. And at the end of that, well, actually before the end of that, I had started up a few prayer meetings with uh, various people from the church. And once, uh, do you remember John Ryan, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, John Ryan and I were in business. That's right. We were in a floor covering business, right. Right. which was a front for a, uh, a couple guys that wanted to go surfing and play all the time and work occasionally. So anyhow, John and I were going to go do a triathlon over in, over in Hawaii. And we started working out and bike riding and running and doing all those things. And we rode our bikes through Venice. Well, one day we stopped at a restaurant there in, in Venice on the beach. While we were eating, I looked out at the beach and I just said, Lord, is this Sodom or Nineveh? And, and this was the most amazing thing that ever happened. Well, one of a couple amazing things that ever happened to me. I actually heard a voice mm -hmm. deep inside me. It wasn't an out, you know, coming at me from the outside, but it said, Nineveh. Well, to most people, that probably wouldn't have made much sense. But to me, I wouldn't read the book of Jonas because every time I read it, I felt like God was telling me to go preach somewhere and even made me afraid to go surfing. These were lightweight. I'm not talking about terror. Um, but, there, but it was there. It was always in, my, in the back of my mind. And I don't even know. And it was so uncharacteristic of me to say, Lord, is this Sodom or Nineveh? <laughs> yeah. It sounded, um, I mean, even as I said it, I thought, well, that's not very characteristic. But when I heard that voice, John Ryan looked across the table at me, and he knew that God had just spoken to me. Wow. And he, he actually asked me what God told me. And I said, he said, this is Nineveh. <laughs> so anyway, I just went to a prayer meeting. Remember Randy, the guy, the ex-Jehovah's Witness? Yeah, yeah. With a, he had a worldwide ministry to Jehovah's Witness, Randy Waters. And so Randy Waters was in one of the prayer meetings that we had. He was a good guy, scholarly type. Yeah. So Randy's, you know, had a prayer meeting, and I told them about this experience. I told the prayer meeting group about it and had them pray. Then 
know, it was about a week later, Randy called me up and he had had a phone call from somebody who wanted help with a family member in the Jehovah's Witnesses. And they're talking about their family member, a person that lived in Ohio. So as far as he knew, they lived in Ohio. As he talked to her, Randy out, off the, out of nowhere said, darndest thing, God's calling a friend of mine to Venice. And the girl, the girl he was talking to said, what? And he goes, oh, he goes, I don't even know why I said that. I'm sorry. It had nothing to do with what we're talking about. And she goes, no, no, what did you say? And he said, God's calling a friend of mine to start a church in Venice. And she goes, Venice, California? And he said, yeah. And she goes, well, that's where we live. And we've been looking for somebody to come to our house wow. and start a Bible study. So anyhow, I've, I thought, well, I'll go start a Bible study. I've been doing that for a few years. By this time, I'd been with you at the church for yeah. five, six years or whatever it was. Yeah. I said, oh, yeah, I'll go start a Bible study. That'd be great. So we went down to Venice, and I did not like Venice, by the way. Yeah, It'd nobody. the last place in the world that I would have chosen to go. So I, I said, yeah, and we went down and meet the people. They were just really great folks. And um, I said, sure, you know, we'll start, we'll, you know, we'll come down next Wednesday and we'll start teaching. Well, I'd never really kind of been a teacher before. Right. You know, I, I, I always had opinions on scriptures and I had studied the scriptures, but I never put together a study as it were. But anyway, we went through the book of Acts and that started me on a, a path to, to study and to put things in some kind of order to share them with people. And within a month, we needed a building. You know, we, I wasn't trying to make anything start. I didn't really reach out to the initial people that were there. They, that, was, that sort of happened by God. Yeah. And, but it didn't take many. And the, that core group was amazing that they were all the types of people who would really assist in bringing other people in and helping with music ministry and helping with administrative things. And yeah. it was just a, it was an, a work of God. It was a complete work of God. I, I didn't choose to go down there and become a pastor. I didn't even choose to start a church. All, right. All I had chosen was to say, yes, you had preached about that. that you know, God, the eyes of the Lord are roaming <laughs> the earth looking for somebody to say, yeah. So, so that was it. That was a, a fabulous time. And about that same time, I was hoping to go to Hawaii <laughs> with you. Yeah, yeah. Because you were going to start a church in Hawaii. But this thing in Venice started to explode. And I can remember, I don't know how well you remember this conversation, but I really wanted you to be in the denomination. Because I thought the denomination needed a few, can I just say this this way, um, and not offend somebody who might be listening to this, a few people who were kind of a horse's rear end and and knew how to stand up and, and not just march in file like a lot of guys. And so I, I remember us fussing over, you know, I want you to be in that denomination and you didn't want to and, and, and I pushed you and then 
you you agreed to, and then we went to denomination, and they had a building, and they were trying to give it to there. Some guy that came out of playing for the L.A. Rams or something, and and they wanted him to go in there and be a pastor in the building, and I don't know whatever came out of that. But we had something alive and going places, and so I fought with them over you, you know, because they didn't want – it wasn't you. They just didn't want another church there because of politics. And in, in the end, all I remember was we both decided you shouldn't be in the denomination. That was the deal. What, what's your remembrance of all that? I went out to visit the guy who was the supervisor or whatever of the district. Yep. And, you know, we went out there and we were talking and we didn't really hit it off real well. Right. So I just said, ah, oh, forget this. You know, we were meeting in a school building yep. at the time. And we got ourselves a little office down in Venice. Now, but in the meantime, for six months, Hope Chapel had been a support, a financial support system for us as yep. well. You know, nothing big, but it was enough to to help us to sustain and to get some equipment like speakers and that sort of thing. Right. And you were still doing the floor business, right? And I was, I was still doing it. I did it for about three of the six months. Okay. Because we started getting to the point where it required more and more of my attention there. We weren't able to hire anybody and I wasn't able to make, uh, make any money, right. but it was, but it was, uh, I had sufficient amount of money to have an apartment and get food and that sort of thing. Well, another guy, a younger guy and, a, and his wife then came into the supervisory position. Mm-hmm. But he actually came down to Venice and sought me out. I never knew that. And he said, uh, he asked if he wanted, wanted to go out to, now we had been there quite a while at this time. Right. He wanted to go to go out to lunch and just talk. And he goes, look, he goes, we have some differences. He said, but I see that you're, you're doing something here that people are being reached that you're, that that something's going on and it's good. And I'd like for you to join up with us. And, and he said, you know, we'd love to see you get in there. And, and I you know, I just basically said, well, you know, I'm definitely going to need a certain amount of autonomy. And he said, yeah. He said, that's not a problem. He said, he said, you know, we've, we don't have doctrinal differences. We don't have things like that. And I says, yeah, but there might be some problems with bylaws and all this. Yeah. Stuff. And he didn't care about that. That probably was a problem because maybe he should have cared about it. I don't know. but it would come up to be a problem for me staying with them later. You know, um, one, one of the things that I just want to say for whoever's listening to this right now, what we're, we're talking a lot about how to start churches, how to start, I mean, what we've always done, you know, starting churches with guys who are, you know, what the world, the church world would call lay people. And we're, we're, one of the things we're trying to do is get guys that, you know, maybe got a business or they got a job, go start a church with 15, 20 people that wouldn't go to any regular church. Only 30% of people in America go to church because church is kind of either a black or a white uh, suburban model. And we're not reaching into the places like Venice. We're not reaching real rich people, but certainly we're not reaching poor people or new immigrants or bikers or, you know, people who are in different little subcultures and 
but one of the things that gets in everybody's way is is all the bylaws and all the you know the fancy word for that's ecclesiology all the all the little rules we've made up and we think they came from scripture and they really didn't and so you know i don't even know the whole story you're going to tell me right now but mm-hmm. here's a guy who says i don't care about the bylaws too much you're saying well he should have because later on it became a conflict well it always becomes a conflict and one of the things that needs to happen is we narrow those things down and get rid of all the garbage that, that stands in the way of ministry happening. Anyway, go back to your story. This is good. So anyway, people were standing up for what they believed. I, I have no problem with that. Right. I was hesitant about getting involved, especially in terms of getting a building. Mm-hmm. Because I felt that at that point, the people that I had that in our congregation was already growing and continuing to grow. But I knew that people were going to start identifying that building as church. Right. And that, in fact, happened. And they would, you know, that, that was their church. It wasn't, after a while, I started seeing, as the church grew, and, you know, once you start having, you know, more than seven, 800 people around, you've got people, you got, <laughs> you've got doctrines all over the place. Well, I had this, uh, and I don't, I'm not judging, but I think when you're in a church that you should follow their cultural stands or whatever. But we had some people who really wanted to go into a lot of charismatic stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like saying, look, uh, I don't care about all that stuff. I, what I care about is you caring about people right. going out there and preaching the gospel or reaching out to the poor. If you want to have a gift of healing, go to visit people at hospitals. Yeah. It just irritated me that people just wanted the gifts. They didn't want the gifts. They wanted to be recognized. You know, not, I'm not a pastor anymore, so I can be really critical about those people. <laughs> but uh, but there, there are people who want to be noticed, who want to be seen. If they Look, I was in Venice Beach, California. The last thing I wanted there was crazy. The crazy came in the door. I didn't want it walking out. Right. And so it was an amazing thing to be successful there because we had movie stars and beach bums and everything in between. Yeah. And they fellowshiped together. They ate together. It, it, was, it was an amazing thing. And the people who, I'm still close to people from there, they just, they felt the same way and they felt like they'd just never been able to capture that um again in a way i felt a little bit like okay well if i wouldn't have been such a screw up we'd probably still be there (laughs) but 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 i don't but in a there's a larger picture that i don't believe about that i believe that god if he's calling you to do something do it it doesn't matter if you're a failure doesn't matter if you're the smallest guy in the group it doesn't matter none of those things matter god is god yeah. And if he wants you to do something, he'll make it happen. And right. so all along the way, I didn't see myself making anything happen. I did become a really good preacher, though. So I, I became good at that. Uh, and, and people were coming in, some of them in the profession of entertaining people in that, where they enjoyed it. They loved it. And But I put a lot of effort and time. That's the only thing I put effort and time into. The rest was all all just a gift yeah. of God. 
the, and, and the rest of it was just my job to, yeah. to be knowledgeable, to study, to show myself approved and to know the word and to, and to proclaim it. And so that's the thing I worked at. The rest I enjoyed. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.